Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. We are several more days into this new year. And also, we're still into the, if I may call it, the Christmas season, the season of the incarnation of the Nativity. Now, the actual post-festive of Christmas itself, you know, the event of the birth is over liturgically, but the incarnational theme, that incarnational event, that reality of God coming into this reality, the invisible becoming visible, that is still ongoing. And we have a couple of feasts that continue to immerse us in that. But looking back on the first of these feasts, the Nativity of Christ, the Christmas season, and by the way, there are some Eastern Christians who are just now celebrating Christmas, and those are our Orthodox friends who are on the so-called Old Calendar, or in other words, the Julian Calendar. Their Christmas is just happening now. For those in the Gregorian calendar, as I mentioned, we're coming out of the nativity event itself, but not out of the incarnational dimension of the liturgical calendar. And there's a, there's a difference there, and it's important. But looking back over Christmas, I hope that you did not celebrate Christmas. Now I'm going to say that again. I hope that you did not celebrate Christmas. Rather, I hope you experienced it. You immersed yourselves in it, in the reality. Think about it for a moment. Now, I'll tell you a little story. The other day, in fact, it was the day after Christmas, the day after Christmas. What did we see on the news? Well, one of the news items we saw were people rioting and fighting in shopping malls the day after Christmas. So much so, police had to get involved. SWAT teams. And what else did we experience? Well, I was in the car. I was a passenger. We came to a red light. And the red light was taking a long time. And we were getting a little impatient. We wanted to keep going. It was just one of those long red lights. So when the light finally turned green, everybody else behind us was probably a little bit impatient too. Now, this is the day after Christmas. 
And so we didn't hit the gas pedal immediately. And so a person behind us began to beep their horn impatiently, beep their horn. I thought to myself, this person probably celebrated Christmas. They probably had decorations, spent a lot of time and effort in that, a lot of time and effort in preparation, getting the food, preparing food, having guests over, making merry, you know, having drinks and so on, buying presents, doing all the Christmas stuff, probably even telling people Merry Christmas. I'll bet you that that's what they did. They celebrated Christmas, but obviously they did not experience it. They did not immerse themselves in that reality. And this is what I mean when I say, don't celebrate Christmas. Don't celebrate these feasts of our Lord. Rather, experience them. Their reality must be our reality. Now, I'm not against the decorations and the presents. All that is good. We should do that. It's good. But the problem is, There's a great tendency, and in fact, a great practice in our culture, to make the celebration the whole point. And we talk about celebration. Think about that word for a moment. In a sense, it can lean us towards a kind of a paganism, a hedonism. What does celebrate mean? It means you party. You you feel happy. You you feel joyful. You know, you have fun. You eat, you drink, you exchange things. It has a, a certain material or fleshy kind of connotation to it. Now, again, it's not bad. It's okay. However, that becomes the point. And what doesn't happen is we don't become better or different persons. And that was the whole point of Christ being born as a baby in a cave, to bring into this world a presence, a godly presence that would fill us, fill all creation and transform it. In the Byzantine icon of the Nativity, there is right in the middle of the icon, slashing through the middle from top all the way to the center of the icon, a figure of a star, and the rays of the star look almost like swords, like knives, like spikes or spears, because they're penetrating darkness. And indeed, this event of the Nativity of our Lord, this incarnation, is exactly that. It's about light trying to penetrate, to dispel darkness. Many people say to me, whether it's in confession or counseling at this time of year, oh, if this would have happened, I would have had a good Christmas, or this is a terrible time for this or that to happen. It's Christmas time, or I'm going to have my Christmas ruined, or this or that person event ruined my Christmas. And when I ask them about the events they're talking about, I end up telling them, you know what? This is actually the best Christmas of your life because you actually are experiencing the reality of this event. You have experienced what you consider to be darkness in your life, and light is trying to penetrate that darkness. This event that has come to the surface in your life or in your family or whatever, sometimes we see these things as the family fight or argument or the crisis that happens during Christmas. And there's oftentimes a lot of it during this time of year. That very thing is actually a call, a kind of a yearning, a calling forth, an asking for light to come into that darkness. In other words, it's, it's the darkness, the thing that you must really wrestle with, must grapple with and face and embrace, is being brought to the surface 
so that it can be put into the light and light can try and penetrate that. So when we experience things like this, as we think are bad or ruining our Christmas, we're actually experiencing, really immersing ourselves in the actual event, what was actually happening from heaven, this light, this divine presence trying to penetrate the darkness and transform it. In other words, trying to heal, trying to solve, trying to cure, trying to bring that peace on earth. So when we experience these things, it could very well be that that is our real Christmas. You see, we tend to define it in terms of the level of joy or fun or happiness or merrymaking, that that's what Christmas is about. And if there isn't that, if there's anything else that comes in there, like a tragedy, an argument, a crisis point in a family or marriage, if that comes into the picture on Christmas, we think that that's a foreign intrusion, that that's bad. Well, did you ever wonder why these things come to light during Christmas? Did you ever consider that maybe that is the actual and real experience of Christmas? And I put that in quotes. The reason I put it in quotes because Christmas, that term, and the way we use it, it falls short of the reality. The reality. The reality is not Christmas, like, oh, it's a holiday event. Yes, it is that in part, but Christmas means birth of Christ, right? But not just birth of a baby. It means the intrusion into our time and space, into darkness of the divine God who intrudes in a way that's fully human, which means, yeah, he had to start out as a baby and in the womb. He had to grow in the womb of a woman. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he grew in the womb of a woman. Every way except sin, he was like us, as we read in the epistle to the Hebrews. And in doing that, he intrudes light, like the icon. Light penetrates that darkness. And so those things that we have to face whether they're hardships, tragedies, family fights, and so on. Those are the calls, really, to experience this incarnational event, which takes us well beyond the decorations and the gifts and the merrymaking. And I'm not disavowing those things. Those are okay. But they cannot be, as we so often do, the event. The celebration is not the point. The experience, the reality of the event and how it really works in our lives, that's the Christmas. That's what all this is about. That's why God came on earth. Think about it. When you come to that point that you have to take down the decorations and the Christmas lights and the presents already maybe already taken back or broken or you're a bit tired of them or whatever, Think of all that, you know, the bills come in and so on. You get back to what we think is regular time. Ask yourself, as you take those decorations down, as you touch those reminders of the Christmas celebration, ask yourself, are you a different person? Are you a better person than you were before you entered into this Christmas event? Because that is the point of it, to transform and renew all creation, especially ourselves. We're going to talk more about this season of the Incarnation when I return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Did you know that a princess helped introduce St. Nicholas to the Western world? This happened in the year 972 when Princess Theophano, the niece of Emperor John of Constantinople, brought a mosaic icon of yours truly, St. Nicholas, to Rome as a wedding gift to her husband-to-be, Otto II, the future emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. After their royal wedding mass celebrated by Pope John XIII in the old St. Peter's Basilica, Princess Theophano became the Lady Di of her age. Suddenly, everything she did, including her love of St. Nicholas, seemed to be copied by everyone. In fact, besides me, there's one more thing she introduced to the Western world that you'll use during your meal this Christmas. The dinner fork. <laughs> so as we raise our dinner forks this Christmas, let's remember the royal princess who worshipped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as we proclaim Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're talking about the reality of Christmas. In other words, the reality of the incarnation and how it must become our reality. We must experience and not celebrate it, but experience it. And we need help to really get to the heart of the matter, to get to this experience that I'm talking about. And what helps us is the church and the liturgical life of the church. That's really what it is. Liturgy is an immersion into realities, into these incarnational realities where heaven and earth meet, where God becomes present, like in the Eucharist. Where else but in the Eucharist? What a gift. Where else but in the Eucharist? In church. Can we actually graft our very natures onto the very nature of God? You can't get any closer to God than that, to become actually part of him. There's only one way that can happen. And through only certain substances, bread, wine, little water, and through the life of the church, the action of the priest, the sacrament, that's the only way that we can get that close to God. And to be that close to God is to be transformed, is to become part of God. You realize that when you receive Holy Communion, you walk out of church because that communion is still in you. 
you know, the substances of, of the bread, the actual substance, or as the Thomistic thinking would say, the accidents of the substance, the actual bread and wine is still physically in you, which means God is very much still physically in you in the presence of the bread and wine. Do you realize that you are then walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit? You are these holy vessels. Yes, you become a living, walking tabernacle, especially in those moments. That's very transformative. So the liturgy enters us into the reality of these events and in their transforming power in a way that nothing else can do. So this is why we have to go to church. We don't go to church just because it's an obligation or we have to go to church. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's all part of it. Just like we talked about earlier, the decorations, the presence are part of the Christmas event, but it's not the actual event. It's not the immersion So we go to church, not just for obligation, we go to be transformed, to touch God in a way that is more intimate than any other way. So this is why church is necessary if we really want to be united with God, close to God. We want to be filled with his uncreated energies, as we say in the Eastern churches. This would correspond to what the West would call God's grace. His graces, like the the energies, like the sun's rays that come out from the center of the sun. Well, God's graces or God's uncreated energies emerge out from him towards us, and they envelop us in those energies and transform us. It's like the sun. The sun transforms our bodies. It brings nutrients into our body, especially vitamin D. And let's face it, it colors our skin. It makes us feel and look healthy. It warms us. So in the liturgy of the church during this particular week now, as we're still in the aura of the incarnation, we've moved past the nativity, we're in the aura of incarnation, we now come to, in the Eastern calendar, the baptism of Christ, the theophany. It's also called epiphany, but for the East, epiphany is rather specific to the Trinity. Epiphany, something is epiphanic, means a, a showing forth. And so In the Eastern churches, what is shown forth principally at this time is in the context of the baptism event of Christ. What is shown forth is a number of things. First and foremost, the fact that Christ has two natures, God and man, and that he is part of a God who is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's a showing forth of the Trinity and of the natures of Christ. This is why it's called theophany, theophanic, that was revealing God. In the West, it is epiphanic too. It's the showing forth of Christ to the Magi, who represent those who were non-Jews, the Gentiles. In other words, the rest of the world that Christ came for as well. He came starting with the Jews and through the Jews, but he didn't come just for the Jews. He came for all mankind, and they represent that, the three Magi. So we have, as always, two different ways of arriving at the same basic principle a showing forth, a revealing of God. Now, in the liturgical text for the Feast of the Theophany, the baptism of Christ, the revelation of the Trinity, the liturgical texts make a very interesting contrast to highlight, in a sense, the hierarchy of the two events, the Nativity of Christ and his Theophany. And it says in the Liturgy of the Byzantine Church that the previous feast, the Nativity of Christ, was a splendid feast. But it says, More resplendent is this one, the theophany, the baptism of Christ. And it goes on to say why. And this is the actual prayers say, at Christmas, at the nativity, an angel was the herald of the good news. 
In Christ's baptism, the forerunner, St. John, becomes the herald of Christ. In Christmas, the nativity event, there was a flow of innocent blood and of childlessness. Remember, the slaughter of the innocents happened soon after Christ came into the world. In Theophany, the flow was not of blood, but of water, making many spiritual children. During the nativity, the star proclaimed to the Magi about the presence of God. In the baptism of Christ, God himself reveals. Remember, Christ was there. so He's the second person of Trinity. He's being baptized. God the Father, the first person of Trinity, his voice booms out from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom my favor rests. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is there, descends in the form of a dove. So, during the Christmas event, you have a star making God manifest. Here you have God himself at Christ's baptism, making the Trinitarian God manifest. Okay, the liturgical text goes on, makes the comparisons. During the nativity of Christ, the Magi came to adore the Master. In the baptism of Christ, John baptizes the Master. During the nativity event, the shepherds sang about the newborn Christ. In the baptism event, the voice of God the Father himself proclaims the Trinity. In the nativity event, there was a star in the sky. In the baptism of Christ event, a Holy Spirit was in the sky, descending from the sky in the form of a dove. And finally, in the nativity of Christ, the cave receives the Christ child. In the baptism of Christ, the waters receive Christ. And as they say in the scripture, the waters turn back. They were so awed by the very presence of Christ. So you see the parallels between the nativity event and the event of Christ's baptism. But as the liturgical texts are trying to say, as wonderful as the first one is, the next one is even more powerful, more resplendent. There are some other interesting things that the liturgical life of the church presents to us, or rather I should say immerses us into during this wonderful feast, this resplendent feast of the Theophany. And that is the Old Testament and also nature. This event of Christ's baptism is very comprehensive. There's a number of things going on on a number of levels. We already mentioned one thing, the revelation of the Trinity, God as Trinity. But also there's some things, as I mentioned, references to the Old Testament and to nature. For example, we sing this. And this is during the morning prayer, the matin service on the Feast of the Theophany, the Baptism of Christ, which is in the Eastern calendars, those are on the Gregorian calendar, January 6th. Having been blessed with understanding, with the power of reason, I still respect the things that have no soul. If I baptize you, I shall be accused by the mountain that smoked with fire, the sea that was parted, and the same Jordan which turned back on its course. For you are Christ, the wisdom and power of God. Now, you can probably imagine that was being said by somebody. Well, that liturgical text was being said by St. John the Baptist as he contemplates his call to baptize Christ. How can I baptize you, he says in the liturgy. He says, how can my hand of straw touch the fire of divinity and not be consumed? So he's saying, if I baptize you, I'll be accused by the mountains. In other words, if the rocks themselves would be watching 
and saying to John, how dare you touch the head of the Messiah, the Son of God? But John had to. That's why at first he hesitates and said to, to the Lord, he says, I should be baptized by you. But the Lord asked John to do that because our Lord's baptism opens the way for our own baptism. That's why he insists that John do it. That's why he submitted himself to baptism. And as I mentioned, some Old Testament references such as this. Moses, a lawgiver, by means of the sea and the cloud, baptized the people of Israel as they journeyed from Egypt, thereby prefiguring the baptism of Christ. The sea was an image of the water, and the cloud an image of the Spirit, by which we are initiated. We sing out, Blessed are you, O God, of our fathers. So you notice that? Some more of that allegorical typology. In Exodus 14, we read about the crossing over of the Red Sea by Moses and then the Egyptians following behind and they are drowned as the sea washes back into place and drowns them. It parted, of course, for Moses and the Jews. But you notice how the column of fire and the water is seen as prefigurements of baptism and of the Holy Spirit in, in what would be the New Testament and the life of the church. There is so much to be immersed in in these marvelous events of our Lord and in the way that the church presents it through the genius of its liturgy. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. With all the busyness of the season, it's important to reflect, why am I doing this? Christ came to draw all people together in Him. The ways we celebrate His birth should do the same. Ask yourself if everything you're doing this season is genuinely drawing you closer to the people you love. If not, remember Jesus' words to Martha. Stop being busy with so many things and choose the better part. Wishing you peace this Christmas season. I'm Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!